Friends, good to see you all. Well, I don't see any of you actually this morning. I see your names. I see your comments, but I don't see you. But good to be with you anyway. I can put it that way and be accurate. Yes, I can. And uh, one one more good morning I'll type here before uh, there before we uh, before I continue on and uh, do this so you can see that. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm thinking there there's some issue within the restream uh, platform that must be going on. Uh, you know, places make adjustments. They make these quote improvements to things, and the improvements aren't. Sometimes they mess up something else, and I I have to assume that that's what has been going on because there's nothing that we have found on Facebook platform anyway. Um, 
that uh, would, would be problematic with comments. But I'm trying to make sure, at least for now, to put them here on the screen so you can see some of the comments anyway uh, on the screen uh, and get some interaction that way. Perhaps it's working now. Uh, perhaps whatever the bug was, uh, issue has been resolved. I don't know. Um, but uh, good to see, good to be with each of you this morning. So um, we're going to be in John chapter 21. That's where we're heading. Uh, I'm going to spend uh, today, tomorrow, I might spend the rest of this week kind of the post-resurrection uh, discussion about Jesus, uh, looking at a, a few different passages. Uh, and so this morning, we're going to head over to John chapter 21. So uh, here we go in John chapter 21, it says, uh, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Now, afterward to what? Bible study thing you do, technique that you follow is you go back after what? So you go back to the previous chapter uh, and read about the resurrection, Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene, Jesus appearing to the disciples, Jesus and Thomas and their conversation, and the purpose of this book. So, so after he's made these appearances to his disciples uh, in this way, uh, then you turn the page to chapter 21. It says, afterward, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. I mean, if if this were just a, a hallucination effect or something like that, you would you would maybe say, well, it, it's just uh, this is this is just. Uh, This is just a hallucination. But people don't tend to have hallucinations over and over and over again that are so vivid. And often, many people don't see the same type of hallucination. So the fact that, that it's recorded for us in the Gospels and that Luke records for us in the book of Acts, uh, the, and even Paul uh, records for us in 1 Corinthians 15, and those are some other passages we will go and look at in the next few days. Um, the fact that they record some of these multiple appearances uh, of Jesus uh, further uh, stand to substantiate the validity uh, of the resurrection narrative. It isn't just a story. Uh, it isn't just something that, that somebody was high one day and they, they, they dreamed it up in their mind. It's not that type of thing. This happens on a regular basis. It happens with different people. It happens even with an increasing crowd of people. Now, we could ask the question, well, why didn't Jesus after resurrection just hang out? And that wasn't the plan. You could say, well, he should have just hung out on earth, and he could have really established his, his kingdom that way by proving his resurrection. Um, but no, that wasn't the plan. The, the, the kingdom is not yet come. Uh that, and hence we pray, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come. In some aspect, in some measure, the kingdom is here because the kingdom is here in the life of we who follow Christ. It, it is here through the church in that sense, but it is not yet fully realized as the fullness of the kingdom. That is yet to come. So there is an already but not yet aspect of the kingdom coming. So John 21, verse 1, after Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, I mean, different location. Uh, that, that's another factor here. It isn't like they're all in one house and they've been smoking 
weed and you know the, the entire air is filled with the uh with, with the uh high creating effects of uh the, the inebriating effects of a room filled with uh marijuana smoke uh, and, and i i was there i i was 14 15 i went to a concert uh the, the band was america I went with my cousin Mark and his girlfriend and with his girlfriend's sister. And I uh, I came back high because the place uh, there in Erie, Pennsylvania was so filled with, with marijuana smoke. And I don't know how they got away with it, but it just was. And I left higher than a kite, let me tell you. It was some bad. It wasn't that type of a thing. Uh, and, and there are probably other stories that different people might be able to tell about being high, um, but it, it wasn't it wasn't like that uh, at all. Um, different locations, different people, uh, uh, different sizes of people. Everything from from a few people to twelve people to five hundred people, uh, substantiating uh, substantiating the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It goes on and says in the text, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. They said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, I just, I just want to comment on this. I mean, if you watch the the chosen, they put this particular scene at the beginning uh, with, with the thought that perhaps this was the experience that Peter was having at the beginning when Jesus was going to call him to be a follower. Uh, and then I, I haven't watched all the way to the end to see if it, in fact, they haven't recorded all the way to the end. So I don't know if they'll put this scene again at the end. Don't know. But John records it here uh, at uh, at the end uh, this particular, we don't see it recorded at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in, in this fashion. But here, at the end of his uh, time on earth, Jesus' time on earth, we, we do read about this. They're going out to fish. Uh, and the friends said, we'll go with you. So they went out, uh, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, if you follow the, uh, if you follow after the uh, chosen, uh, you would look at this and think, okay, this is the beginning. Now, there's nothing in the scripture that indicates that this happened uh, at the beginning of the time. Um at the beginning of the ministry. The only narrative we have recorded is at the end. So we we know that uh we know that that those uh, writers uh, for the movie were taking some dramatic liberty uh on their own uh trying to fill in some blanks cuz we don't know all the details and we don't know but what the way that they portrayed it could be the way that Jesus caused Andrew and and the others to believe we don't read it in the text. So I'm just saying that. I mean, the chosen isn't Bible. 
But if you're a Bible student, and I am a Bible student, uh, and many of you are Bible students as well, I would call myself maybe even a Bible scholar to a certain measure, um, there is an awful lot of Scripture in, in the chosen. If you know Scripture, there is so much there. Uh, those that like to castigate it and talk about it creating problems, I, I, I totally disagree with them. Uh, I, I think it is a, a fantastic series because there are things that we don't know, and those that want to castigate uh, and, and chew up and you know disregard the chosen, uh, they don't know either. So they're surmising based on what they don't know that what somebody else doesn't know is wrong. So I just want to say I, I think it's worthwhile. It's like the message. I mean, there are parts of it where they do take some dramatic liberty. Uh, they're trying to read some things into it. We don't we don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I do think it does help us to to try to imagine a little bit what uh, uh, what the situation may have been. Now, let me get back into the text here. Um, it says early in the morning. Remember, verse three: they caught nothing early in the morning. Jesus stood on the shore. But disciples did not realize it was Jesus. I mean, he might have been far enough away. There could have been a little bit of that early morning fog coming off the, uh, coming off of the, uh, off the water, would cause them to to really not recognize that Jesus was there, and that it was Jesus. It says early in the morning he stood on the shore. The disciples didn't realize it was him. They called to him, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is Peter referencing himself. I mean, that, that's what he would call himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, said, it's the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped in the water. So, I mean, and this is not uncommon. He was standing there in whatever whatever their fashion of underwear were in that day. Um, they didn't wear bathing trunks and things like maybe we did. It says he wrapped the, the outer garment around him, jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, maybe a, uh, about 100 yards. Well, you know, if you're 100 yards away from people, if you stand on one end of a football field, you may not be able to distinguish who the person is standing on the other end. I mean, so it's reasonable what we read in the text here. It says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on. I mean, Jesus already had captured some fish, was already making breakfast for them. Jesus said to them, bring bring some of the fish you've just caught. I mean, I don't. there's some fish here, but let's, let's have more fish. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Why the number? The number is because they, when they sold fish, they counted fish. That's why there is a number there. Now, I don't know if there's anything significant beyond the fact that they counted the fish because they sold the fish. And so, you know, so many fish are worth so many shillings or, or so many denarii or, or whatever count they were using at that point in time. That's why they knew the number uh, of the fish. But it says even with so many, the net was not torn. I mean, so 153 was a rather large number of fish. Verse 12 says, Jesus said, come have breakfast. 
None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And the same with the fish. It's interesting, bread and fish. (laughs) Now I am kind of hungry to go to Bell the Cat and have a bagel and salmon. (laughs) Uh, That's bread and fish. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to do that. But thinking of bread and fish, and we see this throughout Jesus' ministry, the bread. I mean, he took the bread and broke it, and the way he broke it, uh, and the way he gave thanks, I mean, it was distinctive in nature that they would know that it was him. But you also think back to those couple different miracles where he fed the multitudes of people with bread and fish, staples of their day, bread and fish, carbs and protein. Verse 14 says, this is now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And I want to I want to make much out of that verse. This is now the third time that Jesus appeared. Just trying to hammer home what I was saying at the outset, that the number of appearances, it just it goes to show it wasn't like a hallucinogenic effect of, of being overwhelmed with emotion or being on a drug or anything like that. The number of times he appears to them is significant because it shows it isn't just you know being overcome with grief that they think they're seeing him. They saw him. He made breakfast. They smelled, uh, they they smelled the aroma of the uh, of the fire burning, of the charcoals burning. They smelled the aroma of the fish. They tasted the fish. Um, it, you know, if one person has that experience, before I was a Christian, I was high one time, and uh, I I watched the the hands on the clock go around. And as the hands moved, the second hand moved, it pushed the numbers all off the clock, and they fell on the floor. I went, wow, look, Ed. Well, Ed didn't see what I saw. It was, you know, we were high. I I remember what I was high on, too. And uh, Ed didn't. What are you talking about, Jim? You know, I said, well, the numbers all fell off. the. It was that type of thing. These people all saw the same thing a third time repeatedly happen, friend. And I know you listening believe in the resurrection. I know that. You have substantiated that. Now, I, I'll come back to what I posted within the last couple of days. If, if in fact, the resurrection really happened, friends, we and, and we believe it happened, we need to be hanging on to every word of Jesus. In fact, we need to be hanging on to every word of Scripture. Not, not, not just what Jesus said, not just the red letters, but every single word of Scripture we need to be holding on to. Uh, it, it is verifiable. It, it has. It is legitimate. It is. Uh, it is something we know that the promises of God, that the prophecies given in the Old Testament, came to fruition in Christ in the New Testament, and there are more prophecies yet to come, uh, to to fulfillment. Uh, there, there are prophecies that have given that, that are, are are still going to happen. That's what I'm trying to say here, and so we hold on with 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 great tenacity to the scriptures because the resurrection of Jesus verified as it has been causes us to, to, from a logical vantage point, believe me, we need to believe beyond logic, but, but even from logic, it is reasonable to believe in Jesus. And I know most who are listening live this morning are believers in Jesus. But I, I want to challenge myself, and I want to challenge every single one of us to, to take God's word, to take the things of the kingdom, to take the move of the Spirit, 
uh, even more so to heart. What is God doing? And, and do we take that to heart? Do we, do we look for God to do things? We should be looking for God to move in people's hearts. We should be. He moved in people's hearts on Sunday. And uh, we, we should be looking for that to happen all the time. We should be praying for that. Uh, we, we should be praying for that. Absolutely. Um, for the work and the move of the Spirit in people's lives. Now, I'm going to continue on. Uh, John 21, down at verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, oh, there we go. Hit the wrong button. John 21, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now notice he calls it the baby sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Now notice he's, he's using this word truly. Uh, and this is uh, truly love uh, is one word in the Greek. It requires two words, words in the English. That's why I say that we need to understand concept by concept because you cannot translate word for, you can, you can translate word for word, um, but some Greek words require three or four English words to capture the translation of and vice versa. There are some things that, that the Greek says in two or three words that we do in one word. And uh, uh, that's that's why we need to really understand and think through why why the statement is we believe in the inspiration of the original languages. Uh, and for some who think that there is uh, one inspired translation, there is not. Uh, I, I think God has worked in the lives of people to to give us several good translations. Uh, but when you go to another language, another people group, they don't always have one word. Uh, and they have different words. And some things that we might conceptualize in English mean something completely awful uh, in, another, uh, in another tongue. So just want us to understand the truly love one word. Um, John 2, uh, 21, 16, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So the first thing he says in verse 15, take care of my lambs. Second, uh, feed my lambs. The second is take care of my sheep. So feeding and caring for, that is the job of pastoral ministry. Uh, verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, one other thing that, that we miss out on here. Um, and I don't have my Greek text here in front of me, uh, but there's two different words used for love here. One word is agape, and the other word is phileo, which is a lesser word. Agape is the love of God. Uh, and so the word agape is loved, and, and by the end, Peter says, you know, I phileo you, like like Philadelphia, that type of brotherly affection. So, so Peter backs off a little bit in what he says. Um, you know, you know that I love you, because he's he's recognizing he can't love Jesus with the love of God. 
uh, fully this way. But notice, again, it says, feed my sheep. The job of ministry, first and foremost, is feeding the sheep. Uh, secondly, it is caring for the sheep. But part of feeding the sheep is teaching the sheep how to eat so they can eat on their own. I'm trying to teach you uh, to eat on your own. Many, many of you can eat on your own. You can pick up the Bible on your own, and you can read on your own. You have the same teacher I have. You have the Holy Spirit, who, whom, if you will trust him and if you will look to him, he will be your teacher as you read the text of Scripture. Now, he, Jesus gets into some, some uh, disheartening things here in the next few verses. Verse 18 says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Stretch out your hands, he's, he's implying, and it says, verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to, Jesus, uh, to Peter, follow me. Uh, he is telling Peter, you will die by crucifixion. And it is commonly believed that uh, that John was uh, stripped of his clothes, uh, and it's commonly believed that uh, John, uh, not John, that Peter was uh, crucified upside down. There's a couple aspects of what we read in verse 18. One is he's telling him the end of his life, look, you, you, they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. You're not going to want to go to the cross. You're not going to want to go to persecution, but you're going to get led there. And we know from verse 19 that Jesus is telling him this because it says that it indicates the type of death by which Peter will die. But something else out of verse 18 that's true. We had a little bit of a conversation about this with our elders last night. The issue is not where do we want to go. The issue isn't what do I want to do with my life. The issue is what is Baba, what is Father asking? And for us learning to live as followers of Jesus, we, we ask what does Father want? Where does Father want us to serve? What does Father want us to do? That, that, is the, that is the question at hand. And as we learn to live like Jesus, as we learn to walk like Jesus every day, in a variety of circumstances, the question comes, what does Father want? That should be the, 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 the thinking that is forming in our beings to always be asking, what would Father want? You know, what does Father want of the church? What does Father want of our service? What does Father want of our ministry? And so we look to him and uh, uh, want what he wants. And it may not be what we want. And it may be different than than what uh, than what we think. Uh, what's going on in my life, what's going on in our church in terms of what God's doing with my life uh, has an impact on our church. And you know, we want to go back to a former script. Well, uh, you know, uh, it, and I'm, I just want to suggest that maybe the Lord is trying to get us to read a different script for this occasion, for this time. I'm not talking about scripture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ways that he leads and, and how we function uh, as a body of believers. Could look different than maybe breaking new ground to move us into a place of multiplication. The, the thing that Jesus says to John in verse 19 is follow me. Question for each of us is, will we follow Jesus? Will we follow him? That, that is the question. Even if he tells us it's going to be hard, will we follow him? 
Verses 20 through 25. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? This is John's talking about himself. John's the one writing this. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about John? What's going to happen with John? You know, you've already kind of committed Mary to John. What about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Friends, we might be called to follow in different ways, to do different things. You know, I might be called to to follow in a way that is different than another pastor is called to follow. Um, We can't look at somebody else. We can't point at somebody else. Jesus, in fact, Peter, uh, uh, John does remain alive. John dies from everything we know, a natural death in old age. Yes, he was persecuted. Yes, he was perhaps boiled in oil. Some believe that is at least a a story about John, and he did not die, uh, and or burned in oil. And John was uh, banished to Patmos uh, for several years, uh, and then believed he came back to the, the area in Turkey and, and died there. Um, so Jesus saying, if I want him to remain alive until I return, or if I want him to, to remain alive until natural death, what is that to you? You must follow me. Each of us must do the things the Lord is calling us to do. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So even here, we, we read about myths and rumors that happen. Verse 23, the rumor spread that, that John wouldn't die, but Jesus, Jesus didn't say that. All he said is, if I want him to remain alive, what is that to you? Verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. John is saying, I am testifying to these things. I wrote them down. We know this testimony is true. And then it says in verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the whole world would have enough room for the books that would be written. In all of this, in all of this, the, the call for all of us is to follow as the Lord leads us. Uh, the Lord leads beyond Scripture because it's the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let me give an example. Claire, uh, in, in several comments here, if, if, if there is the prompting, the leading of the Spirit to start a Filipino ministry uh, in Rockland or in Rockport or in Belfast or all, you know, two or three, four locations around the state of Maine, if there are that many Filipino people, and there don't have to be that many. I mean, to, to get into an area where there's a dozen people and you start a house church there, that's how the house, that's how the church spreads all over the world, just for the record. But you can't read, you can't give me a Bible verse where it says in the Bible verse that the Lord told you to do it in Belfast. No, it's it's the leading of the Spirit. It's the prompting of the Spirit. It comes through prayer. Uh, and it is it is uh, coming alongside to fulfill the great commandment, the great commission among a people group, the Filipino people group. But that's I'm just using that as an example. The Lord might prompt you that you, you need to stop by and visit somebody. Do it. The Lord might prompt you that you need to write a note to somebody. Do it. The Lord might prompt you that you need to give a gift to somebody. Do it. 
Uh, the Lord might prompt you that you need to write a note to Melody Bagley, who, uh, and I posted an address in the prayer link yesterday. Melody had some very significant surgery on Monday. Uh, and uh, so you keep praying for her. She's going to have several weeks of recovery. Uh, maybe stop by. Maybe maybe take uh, a meal over. Maybe take a dessert over. Uh, maybe just stop in and say, hey, can I visit with you for a little bit? And give her Give her this week maybe to to do a little bit of recuperation, but the Lord might prompt you to do that. The Holy Spirit prompts us to do things. Bottom line is, in this whole thing, Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what I'm asking somebody else to do, Peter. What am I asking you to do? And so we put our own names in there. It doesn't matter what the Lord's asking Pastor Matt to do. I'm thinking my friend Matt Mitchell. Uh, it doesn't matter what the Lord is asking um uh, Pastor Greg to do. Think my friend Greg Houston. Uh, it doesn't matter what the Lord is prompting um, any other pastor friend of mine to do. What is the Lord prompting me to do? What is he trying to get me to do? And for you, the same thing. In your life, what is he trying to get you to do? The gospel is substantiated through the resurrection, which is substantiated through the eyewitness accounts, which are recorded for us, and not only in the Gospels, but even things like the writings of Josephus, the Jewish historian, uh, who wrote and as well substantiated, and, and many other things that substantiate for us. Friends, we need to live as followers of Jesus. What's he asking you to do? As Jesus said to Peter, if I want this to happen, such and such to happen to so and so, what is that to you? You must follow. May we follow him today, however he leads, that we might bring him honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, have a great day. I'll let you get into your day. I will see you again tomorrow.